Hello everyone, welcome back to another place. Today I'm on my own as Surka and her ear pops. And um, I, in lieu of the IPCC report that came out recently, and today I also watched a TikTok that scared the shit out of me about climate change. I would like to read you an essay I did that kind of <clears throat> demystifies, or not demystifies, but certainly gave me a greater understanding of like what needs to be done in a society or why something happens like this a whole new concept I had never considered <clears throat> really. I did a higher diploma last year in UCC and I was able to pick and choose what I wanted to do in the entire like French program did languages and I did I chose a law and French module that was about colonization and globalization I think it was called something else as well but I can't remember now properly um but this this essay is called critical essay economic inequalities in times of disaster now the what I will highlight I probably won't call the podcast that because that's not um, there's no real hook to it there's no there's no meat in that but um, basically so I went into this um, class and I had no idea about the concept of disaster I didn't realise it was a concept that it was a thing that doesn't actually exist um and you know I'm just going to read the interview and in points where I feel like I need to give further explanation I will <clears throat> um so yeah I'm just going to start so Sandrine Rivette in her interview with Science Po tells us that um cat catastrophes don't level out inequalities they aggravate them calling into question the very understanding of catastrophe itself, detailing how detailing how natural disasters as we conceptualise them do not, not exist. In this essay, I will demonstrate the intersection of economic inequality and hazard events, which combine to create so-called disaster or catastrophe, resulting in long-term social, physical and environmental adversity. First, I will define disaster and quantify uh, economic inequality to give us a solid framework through which we can view their unhappy marriage. Some, subsequently, I will illustrate this relationship by examining confluent events in Haiti, the 2010 uh, earthquake and preceding cholera epidemic that further devastated struggling communities. <clears throat> There's a lot of words there. So basically I said, um, so uh, catastrophe makes inequalities worse. And I will show how economic inequalities they and hazard events, which I'll define in a second, they combine to create disaster. Disaster doesn't actually exist on its own. It's it's a it's a it's a conclusion to a formula. So a common conception of natural disaster is an act of God or a force or a force of nature in which the catastrophe or disaster can be measured in human, material, 
economic and environmental loss and social up upheaval. So we normally um, measure disaster like 15 people were killed, 20 people were killed, 100 people were killed in this disaster. Uh, um, or, you know, there was there was 15 million euro worth of damage done to the the to the property, blah, blah, blah. That's a big disaster, you know? Depends how you measure it, like anything else. In a 2013 study that addressed the impacts of events on all social units, ranging from individuals and households to nation states, the following definition of disaster is, giving, is given. A disaster is an event concentrated in time and space in which a society or one of its subdivisions undergoes physical harm and social disruption, such that all or some essential functions of the society or subdivision are impaired. <clears throat> Excuse me, my, my coughing. Excuse my coughing. Um, in the same study, a distinction is also given between hazard events and disasters. So we often think of disasters as the earthquake, but that's actually an event. So it's like a hazard event, like something that, you know, has caused disruption. So the say an earthquake that's an event plus x equals disaster that's the formula so the hazard event is characterized by six attributes six things speed of onset availability of perceptual cues such as ground movement the intensity scope and duration of impact and the probability of occurrence <clears throat> we can distinguish between hazard and disaster by thinking of a hazard event as the earthquake and the disaster as the outcomes that the hazard event encompasses, which are determined by vulnerabilities, being the characteristic of a person or group and their situation that influence their capacity to anticipate, cope with, uh, resist and recover from the impact of a natural hazard. So there is the formula. Hazard event plus vulnerabilities equals disaster disaster this blew my mind i was like oh disaster is it's not real it's not like it's not it's not the actual event itself i always conceptualize the disaster as the event but it's not these vulnerability these vulnerabilities uh, factors of vulnerabilities. This is in French, so I'll just say it in French. These factors de vulnerabilité consist of structural, social, and physical liabilities, and they make up this notion of vulnerability. <clears throat> Countries uh, across the globe have different systems in place to deal with crises, and different crises put stress on different structures in a society. Uh, for disease, we have medicine. For poverty, we have development. For risk, we have science or technology. The absence or underdevelopment, that's in quotes, of systems result in vulnerabilities. Vulnerabilities can take many forms and can be categorized as people's, people's physical vulnerabilities, social vulnerability, and psychological, social, economic, and political resources. And households with increased exposures to these vulnerabilities experience greater susceptibility 
to the impact of hazard events. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, for example, if you are, so people's physical vulnerability, if you are disabled, if you are, a, sorry, if you have a disability, if you are, if you are poor, if you don't have money, if you don't have connections to politicians or, or resources, then you're you are a higher level of vulnerability. So you have kind of like what they would consider, imagine you're buying, <clears throat> when you buy health insurance, they measure your risk factor, right? Or whatever, don't they? Something like that. They measure your risk factor. So when you get older, you're more likely to become ill. And they have to pay out. So that's why you have to pay more. And also because they're crowns. If you um if you if if you are like if you've experienced some kind of like traumatic event physically and then you or like you have you already know you have cancer and then you go buying um health insurance, well obviously your risk of like having cancer goes way up so they probably wouldn't even cover you. It's, so, you know, you understand. It's if you make that comparison. So vulnerabilities are just like how 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 at risk we are, basically. <clears throat> Economic equality defined as the unequal distribution of income and uh, opportunity between different groups in society is a central element of disaster due to the ways in which economic inequality renders a country both vulnerable to crisis and hinders its ability to respond to respond to such. According to Marx, economic inequality had more to do with colonialism than with any indigenous, no, not indigenous, endogenous feature of society. Don't even know what that word means. Let me look it up. when I can't say words having an internal cause or origin endogenous 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 with an e not an i not indigenous indo uh, however for purposes of discussion we are more concerned with the presence present consequences of economic inequality as it stands rather than the historical root of such a global and its societal development, no matter how pertinent. So even though even though economic equality is due to colonialism, this for the purposes of this essay, it's it's too much. We 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 just we're just gonna we're not gonna discuss that at this time. That'll be another conversation. Okay. But uh, we're just going to deal with it at its face value at the moment. Yeah. In the aftermath of natural catastrophes, such as Hurricane... This is actually where I fell down on my points a little bit. She was like, you just kind of segued off in here. But I just thought it was an... Um, I read this book. It was like... Um, it was about Hurricane, Hurricane Katrina. And I it just made some points that um, I really wanted to highlight and just put in but I think it was just one of these things that I should have cut out but I think I don't know I I'm glad I left it in 
I still got a first, you know. In the aftermath of natural catastrophes, such as Hurricane Katrina in 2005, we see clearly how economic inequality correlates with increased vulnerability to disaster. Although this tragedy occurred in a so-called developed country, it remains a strong example of how economically disadvantaged populations are worse hit by hazard events. Due to the physical environment that poorer, overwhelmingly black and female populations often find themselves in, and because of a lack of immediate resources resulting from historical income disparities between groups. Consequently, black women were least likely to be equipped with the necessary resources to take themselves and their families out of harm's way. On the And, and in Katrina, like, this is, the, like, the reason there were so many black people affected is because their housing was located next to the, was it the dam? Like, their housing was located next to it, so in a really dangerous spot. And so you'll often see that in countries, the most at like the most vulnerable people are are housed in the most dangerous places, physically dangerous. Um, on a global level, we see this pattern play out between nations. Further on in this essay, I'll be looking into two disaster in Haiti in 2010 to illustrate the connection between economic inequality and disaster. Therefore, we must establish that I had a Haiti experienced economic inequality. If we are to say that economic inequality was a contributing factor to the disasters that struck the country in 2010. That is a really long sentence. How long is that? I think that's five five sentences long, or five lines long. In an article questioning the role economic inequality plays in disaster events, Michael J. Zimmer writes that what is clear is that increased economic inequality correlates with lower economic growth. So I'll read that again. What is clear is that increased economic inequality correlates with lower economic growth. Um, in 2010, over 75% of the population in Haiti lived on less than the equivalent of $2 per day, and the GDP of Haiti was a mere $6.5 billion US dollars. The IMF 2009 report on Haiti described the country as being at high risk, risk of debt distress, even in the baseline scenario. Therefore, we can say that Haiti, in the run-up to 2010, was a country experiencing economic inequality, both internally, of course, and um, and on a global scale, right? Um, so basically, what I was saying there is that uh, economic inequality correlates with low. So the the lower the economic low growth, the greater uh, economic inequality. The political and social consequences of economic inequality are far-reaching and complex. It is difficult to quantify economic inequality in all its forms. However, as Carlo Ramirez Ferreira writes in relation to Marx's theory of economic inequality between nations, the inequality that is, that is being alluded to here is the inequality of underdevelopment. Examining systems and public services 
which can be said to be a measure of development in a country. We can therefore, it can therefore provide insight to the scale of economic inequality experienced by a Haitian people and demonstrate how economic inequality is a major component of the construction of disaster itself. So <clears throat> I'm just saying that the, the poorer the systems, the poorer the systems within a country, the more you can say it is underdeveloped. And now people, people got on my case, and I've said this a few times to people in my life, being like, Ireland is a, is a terrible country, or Ireland is a developing country. On the higher end of it. But Ireland, I mean, all of our countries are developing countries, essentially. But Ireland is a developing country. And when you conceptualise it like that, it, make more, it makes more sense. Like, we are not a developed country. Have you seen the roads? Have you... Like, of course, it's developed in some ways. Of course. I shouldn't be making such a sweeping statement. But our some of our systems... Our, some of our of our infrastructure is not developed. In in many ways we are in in many ways we have infrastructure that is well below the line of what people would consider developed. People think I think people think of developed and developing like I think white countries definitely associate white countries with developed. Um but if you actually take a step back, it's a measurement of systems. On January 12, 2010, in an, an, earthquake, an earthquake measuring 7.0 on the Richter scale hit Haiti just outside Port-au-Prince. When the quake struck, the hollowness of the state that had been constructed over more than two centuries in Haiti was brutally exposed to the whole world. After decades of underfunding of public institution and predatory siphoning of wealth from the peasant classes, both on a national and individual level, the country was unprepared to handle a hazard event such as this. After decades of neglect by the authorities and despite repeated warnings of a hazard event occurring in Haiti, it was, according to Lundahl, what by and large determined the outcome of the Haitian earthquake resulting in a massive death toll. Controversy surrounding the true number of deaths remained to this day. However, the University of Michigan offered a debt estimate of for Port-au-Prince of 11,794 11, people. A conflicting report by David Schwartz for USAID put the death toll between 46,109 and 84,961 persons. The particular concoction of disaster started brewing long before the quake, the quake, the quake hit Haiti on January 12, 2010. Vulnerabilities in a society can often be decades, if not centuries, in the making. One such vulnerability factor that made the earthquake in Port-au-Prince particularly devastating was the concentration of the population in the capital city, 
resulting from the environmental impact of erosive agriculture. Due to the topography of the country, the land is not best suited to agricultural practices. However, an agricultural economy resting on small family farms was created in the early 1800s. Uh, however, agricultural economy, yeah, yeah. So it hadn't been an agricultural society, but then it became an agricultural society in the early 1800s. Practices that involved the uprooting of native coffee trees in lieu of crops to, uh, leading to the progress, progressive erosion of the soil, coupled with a growing population and a decline in per capita income in rural Haiti, uh, resulted in more and more people moving out of the countryside and into the capital in search of work, further straining its limited public re uh, services. The resulting population shift created a strain on available housing, resulting in overcrowded dwellings and a high population density. density. 40,000 inhabitants per square kilometre. Layered on top of this was the resounding structural vulnerability of the country. So basically, because of the, because of the erosive agriculture, um, coffee that, you know, the Americans were exploiting, um, the people moved out of the country and into the cities, and so that it was like really overcrowded. So this is like this is kind of the exp explanation of how this disaster came about, and it, it has it started. This disaster started cooking in the eighteen hundreds. Structural vulnerability, a subset of physical vulnerability, which is seen as the extent to which a system such as the community ex is exposed to adverse events, effects of a hazard event and is unable to adapt to such impacts, provides us with a framework through which we can qualify the um, influence of economic equality and underdevelopment of in infrastructure when compounded with a hazard event such as an earthquake. The Haitian government had failed to enforce any real housing regulation on the run-up to the 2010 earthquake. Among the problems with housing were poor urban planning, social infrastructure and housing development. Approximately 60% of the buildings were shoddily built and unsafe under normal circumstances. Buildings were not constructed to regulation, regulation standards, regulatory standards, nor were any regulations enforced. In fact, there were no standards, said Haiti's new Prime Minister Michel-Pierre-Louis, in an interview with the Miami Herald. The resulting impact on physical infrastructure was devastating. Some 105,000 homes were destroyed and 208 were damaged. Almost 40% of all the buildings in the greater Port-au-Prince area. More than uh, 1,300 schools were destroyed and more than 50 hospitals and health centres. 30 more than uh, than. 30 more, uh, 100, uh, I don't know why that's that, 180 government buildings were destroyed and um, 30,000 commercial buildings. The connection between structural vulnerability and the resulting devastation from the Harvard abuse was a straight line. So because the buildings were so 
badly made and not regulated and things were not up to standards, when the earthquake um, hit, those buildings fell like a house of cards. They could not withstand the the earthquake. However, not all vulnerabilities apply evenly across demographics. Although we would think that hazard events are not sentient and therefore do not differentiate between people, the fact is that certain bodies are put in harm's way more often than others, as we saw in New Orleans, where poor black women were systemically concentrated on low ground and thus rendered more vulnerable to the impact of the hurricane as a result. Areas with concentration of people of colour were more likely to be living in areas of lower elevation and therefore at greater risk of being affected by floods, such as the people in Nightward. Um, these, these disparities in vul- vul- vulnerabilities can be predicted using a framework of social vulnerability. So you can see there I segued, I segued to use the... Um, I think maybe I couldn't find... Um, exact demographic uh <clears throat> demographic what's it called demographic maps of Port-au-Prince but these same like you can these same things apply in different places almost always Social vulnerability is considered to be the institutional, demographic and socio-economic characteristics of an individual, community or system that reduce its capacity to prepare for, respond to and recover for the hazard event or disaster. And indicators of such include age, race, health, poverty, income, type of dwelling unit and employment. A poor black woman was more likely to be a victim of the disaster in New Orleans, not merely because of her own personal choices, but because of a systemic rot that forces and keeps people in vulnerable conditions. Victims of disaster are made vulnerable due to historical, political and economic processes and face the consequences of this vulnerability exasperated and or determined by economic inequality and uh, underdevelopment. So what I'm saying there is the reason that they're vulnerable in the first place is because of historical trends, systemic um, systemic processes that put them in that vulnerability and not only put them but keep them. A major challenge in understanding how natural disasters impact communities is that communities are not homogenous so subunits such as households and businesses vary in their vulnerability to, to disaster impacts. As Lindell suggests we have to also be careful not to make assumptions about certain characteristics pertaining to vulnerabilities. People can be differentiated by many different characteristics, some of which define vulnerabilities and other of which are merely correlated with vulnerabilities. He argues for a comprehensive approach to defining characteristics that make up vulnerabilities to include an intersectional consideration of contributing factors, not merely a proximal cause of of vulnerabilities, which are distal causes of of vulnerability and purely correlative. 
Just 10 months later, disaster would strike Haiti again in what would become an enduring aftershock of the January earthquake when a cholera epidemic made its way through the country's struggling communities who were, by all accounts, still living within the tailspin of disaster. Officials and and citizens were puzzled at the origins of the new strain, having managed to avoid such an outbreak in previous decades when neighbouring countries hadn't been as lucky. Some disasters have multiple, e.g. earthquake aftershocks, or secondary, uh, e.g. hazardous material releases impacts. And And such hazard material released into the environment was and and one such hazard material released into the environment was a biological one, uh, the Brio cholera. This is an example of physical and human vulnerability, which refers to the susceptibility to bio, biological changes, which we see uh, was aggravated by uh, structural vulnerabilities and defi- deficiencies to create disaster. Some, surround, some controversy surrounding the findings of a study by Renaud Piriot, um, who identified the source of the disease as Nepalese UN peacekeepers who had occupied in the country months earlier during hurricane relief efforts. However, the UN denied such findings. So what happened was disaster struck and I actually didn't go into to. Oh, I do a little bit here. I'll just read this bit and then I'll I'll go back. The layer that would then add disaster to this hazard event, introduction of cholera strain, was the structural deficiencies that could not and did not provide clean water to citizens before and in the wake of the outbreak, leading to further contamination of drinking water and thus viral spread. Without simultaneous water and sanitation and healthcare system deficiency, spread of the wider of the virus through environmental contamination with feces and subsequent deaths would not have been so severe. These deficiencies, coupled with conducive environmental and epi- epidemiological conditions, allowed the spread of spread of cholera of the Vibrio cholera organism. The healthcare system struggled to cope with the onslaught of patients that quickly began to pour in, and deaths continued to mount as the epidemic, persist, uh, uh, epidemic persisted. An estimated 8,500 deaths were reported by the Haitian Ministry of Health by July 2014. So what you had happen was the first shock of the, the first event, the hazard event of the earthquake hit People were living in precarious housing, in badly structured, um, in badly made housing, in big numbers. When the earthquake hit, those buildings came down very quickly. And the this earthquake in particular hit right in the centre, like right in Port-au-Prince, like it, it was the focal point. So... You had so many people killed because of the the buildings literally crumbled on top of them. And then, because the UN UN peacekeepers came in from all around the world, 
they brought with them cholera. And because in the country, in Haiti, they didn't have, um, like, sewage treatment facilities and, the, and, like, toilets and stuff like that, the soldiers were defecating outside and that got into the river and then people were drinking the water from the river and then they were ending up in hospital and then the hospital system was quite underdeveloped as well. So then people were dying because of that. So it's like, see, do you see the thread, the root of all of this stems from, the root of it is economic inequality. And the root of economic inequality is colonialization. And the root of colonialization is white supremacy, but that's going back very far. But like, it was like a disaster. It was just, it was just a melting. It was just a pot, like a stew of factors that was just wait. Like, it was a just, as people say, it was a disaster waiting to happen. That's what they say about things, don't they? That's what they said about Grenfell. You know, it's a disaster waiting to happen. Because people are like, this cladding is not... It's a disaster waiting to happen. If, if something happens, blah, blah, blah. Um, now, when we were studying this, we studied... <clears throat> at the same time that this hit, there was an earthquake in Japan... And it was, I think it was like 7.2 on the Richter scale. The number I've confirmed that is 19,747. Um, so around 18,000 people. Obviously that is a ter- like that is an unacceptable amount of people. But even by the most conservative numbers in Haiti, 46,109 people died. That's the lowest number. Someone's saying that it was 111,794. And they didn't have a tsunami. So, you know, there is like a major difference. The buildings in Japan were properly made, you know. So, yeah. I just think that that is an important, um, a really important piece of knowledge to have because it allows you to both look at yourself and also at the society in general and look where are our vulnerabilities. Like you can see like what COVID did is expose the vulnerabilities in your society. So as a as a society, as a as a country, Ireland has a very um, Ireland like the positives are welfare and being able to get money to people was really quite simple and really quite easy because we have a very robust and responsive and. Uh, 
yeah, you can get money to people quickly. Like everyone was able to get money. In America, they really, 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 really struggle to get people money because they don't have that like system set up. What they had to do is put money into, they gave money to the banks who were then giving money to people. But what the banks did is that if you had overdrawn anything or if you owed them money, they were just taking that money. They had to send out checks. And I think the checks, some some people got it through like their tax back system. However, they paid tax. That's how they got back, got it back. Other people got checks in the mail. It was an absolute disaster. They couldn't get money to people quickly enough. It was like a whole thing like, when's the money coming? When's the money coming? In Ireland then, like we did a similar, I did something on, on this subject already with um, what the fo- what the famine and the coronavirus have in common. Um, and so this is just a little bit more in-depth into like vulnerabilities and disaster and all that. But um, in Ireland, we very clearly have a very poor health care system. And uh, only for, you know, we have quite, I would say one of our strengths is that we have a pretty cohesive society um, and we we all locked ourselves down for ages like how long were we locked down but only for that action by millions of people like literally probably 95% of the population stayed locked down for months and months and months our healthcare system would have been overrun. Like if our healthcare system had 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 been in America, they would have been so fucked. So it really showed that our healthcare system is really, really poor. Another thing that's clearly very underdeveloped and not fit for purpose is our housing system. That is clearly a vulnerability of ours. Structurally, is it? In parts, it is. Um, Donegal, regu- like regulations around buildings are really important. So Donegal, clear example of if, you know, if there was like a freak gale or whatever, it could bring down all those houses in, in Donegal because of the Mika, Mica. What else can you think of that would like if something, if a, I mean, imagine like obviously we don't have earthquakes or tornadoes, but like what events, naturally, naturally occurring events could happen in Ireland that would really disrupt our lives en masse, flooding. Are we prepared for that? No. Look at the Skibreen. Cork, Cork, Cork seemed to have escaped it last year, but Skibreen, uh, Bantry was flooded like three times. Um, flooding is a major one. When, when I'm talking about like for climate change now in the future, like what are we most vulnerable of? Where are our big vulnerabilities? Health, 
we're, we're going to have another pandemic at some stage because the pandemic was caused by climate change. I'll get into that another time, maybe sometime. But, um, so if we had another healthcare, like, how can our nurses and our doctors cope with another one of these? They're not. They're human beings. They shouldn't have to deal with this to the level that they are. So, yeah, it's just something to think about, like, where are our vulnerabilities as a country and what are the events that are likely to happen? Flooding is a clear, clear one. Now we know health. I feel like there's something around housing. If there was a, a hazard event around housing, but what could happen to housing? I guess you could say that vulture funds are hazard events. You know, for sure. I would consider not them, but they're pretty, pretty, pretty hazardous. Then, like, I think it's also interesting to apply this, the same kind of talking about uh, vulnerabilities to you yourself personally. So, um, knowing what are my political vulnerabilities, what are my physical vulnerabilities, what are my social vulnerabilities, do I have networks, do I have connections do I have um do I have economic vulnerabilities and of course we're all going through like an inflation right now we're all experiencing housing um price increases so it's difficult to do all those those things that's why in in, in a country that experiences really high inequality they're they're the poorest of the people are really poor they can't prepare preparation is a is a luxury of the wealthy you know so if you're interested in reading i'll read the conclusion but if you're interested in reading i'll read you some of the books that i referenced so in conclusion it is evidence that many of the vulnerabilities which appear within systems and community are a result of economic inequalities. Such vulnerabilities create what we conceptualize as disasters, which manifest when hazard events strike populations that are ill-prepared and under-resourced to mitigate, prevent, and respond to stressors, as outlined in the examples of the 2010 earthquake and preceding cholera outbreak in Haiti. Understanding these vulnerabilities and how they affect communities in times of hazard events is central to understanding disasters. Implementation of strategies that address vulnerabilities in which tackling the persistent role of economic inequality is evident within populations is critical for disaster preparedness, prevention and mitigation. So there's several things that you can do, like when you're looking at so that you know, when you're looking at a population of people, you actually have to understand what the vulnerabilities of, of communities can be and the appropriate amount of resources have to put in have to be put into that. Like at the moment, poor countries are calling out for resources from us in Z West, 
they are more vulnerable to climate change than we are at present. And if they don't, if they're not, if they don't prepare now, then they will not mitigate the effect. And they can't afford to do the, the fund themselves because <laughs> they are they're poorer countries. And the reason that they're poorer countries, we're coming around the circle again. This wheel just keeps on turning, okay? <laughs> the reason that they're poorer countries is because of colonialism. Colonialism. And the reason that we have climate change Colonialism. Oh, why do we have climate change? Because we plundered all of the natural resources of the country. La 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 la. And we sold it for coin. And it's, you know, if you consider Ireland as a if you if you take Ireland and you look at it and pretend for a second it is a a poorer country then it bears all the hallmarks of a poorer country there are several things about Ireland that bear the hallmarks of a poorer country one of them is the fact that we are extremely exploited in this country labor-wise number two the natural resources of this country are exploited the natural resources we don't have control over our natural resources name me a developed country that doesn't have control over its natural that doesn't have control over its natural resources Maybe there's many. But like, it's, we are still the brass, bread, uh, bed brass basket of Britain. Things are grown here to be sold to other people. Things are taken from Ireland to be given to richer, richer countries. American countries come American companies come here for cheap labor for tax breaks. You know who else has uh, cheap labor and uh, tax breaks? You guessed it. Developing countries. Do you know what other countries in the world? Are tax havens? You guessed it. Developing countries. Our former colonial states are tax havens currently. That's why they're ta- that's why they're they were, you know, that's what their function is now. That's why Britain still has the Commonwealth. Anyway, I digress. Um, I hope that was a little bit uh, eye-opening or educational. I don't know. Let me know how I got on to this week. 
um, some of the things you can read uh, are the Michael K. Lindell Disaster Story Studies. It's a journal. Um, you can also re re read Natasha Zaretsky. There is no such thing as a natural disaster. Race, class, and Hurricane Katrina. That's the that's the book that I was reading about Hurricane Katrina. Really, really good. Um, so that's there's no such thing as a natural disaster. Race, class, and Hurricane Katrina. Um, Max Lundahl, the political economy of disaster and underdevelopment, destitution, plunder, and the earthquake in Haiti. Um. Michael J. Zimmer, Can Dystopia Be Avoided? Increasing Economic Inequality Can Lead to Disaster. Uh, Ralph or Freyrich, Deadly River, Cholera and Cover-Up in Post-Earthquake uh, Haiti. Um, e. E. Mavura and B. Collins, or E. B. Collins, um, an approach for measuring social vulnerability in context, the case of floods, flood hazards in Mubazarambi, 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 I'm saying that wrong, district, Zimbabwe, Mubazarambi, Mubazarambi, Muzara and Benny. I'm definitely putting the stress in the wrong place there. Um, Carlos Ramirez Ferrara, The Origins of Economic Inequality Between Nations, Nations, a critique of Western theories on development and underdevelopment. And then the IMF uh, Sustainability Analysis. And there's a few things in French, but I won't bother. Cotton them, as you might be a French speaker. Um, there you go now. I really enjoyed that class. It was really, 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 really good. And the lecture was amazing. Kate Hudson, I think her name is. Um, yeah, it was just so interesting and so eye-opening and really, like, <sighs> it really plays out. Like, I was in Asia when the COVID, when COVID hit and, <laughs> like, Single women left. That's who left uh, and went back home. And why did single women leave? Well, because single, like, it was just such a, a pattern. Single women left because they felt more vulnerable. And they were in a country that was not their own, that not their own, that they potentially didn't feel politically safe in. Um that that like it was very uncertain politically it was very uncertain um structurally and so when the structures are uncertain it's fine like when you're 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 just on holiday you're just traveling but if you're there and uncertainty is just not something you want to be dealing with when it's a global disaster. Uncertainty is really difficult. That's why people, um, that's also why people, you know, 
look to these strong men type characters because strong men type characters uh, present certainty. Like, I'm sure that this is what we need to do. This is what we need to do. That's what people look for in disaster, in times of disaster. Um, so, yeah. Uh, if you want to be a leader in times of disaster, you you also need to have that confidence and um, that ability to understand what's going on and have solutions. Um, and I think that for us on the left who want to want to provide some structure or be able to um, veer people away from go- getting to get, like going to a more reactive um, source, then you know people I think we need to be educated on 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 these issues and be educated on why something is the way it is uh to be able to understand different communities and different demographics and why they're experiencing what they're experiencing so I think you know knowledge like this is really really important because you can you won't have the you won't have the lived experience to understand it to its true core, but you certainly will have enough of a framework that you can you can be like, oh right, okay, I know that. That's why that's there, why that's there, blah blah. So yeah, I just found it really helpful and I would highly recommend. And once you know the structure, once you know about, you know, vulnerabilities and disaster and hazard events like this, you can you can take it makes you look at disaster and events around that happen in our societies as like way differently because you can go okay where was the hazard event where was the vulnerability and then the 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 task of averting disaster becomes way more practical you know because you can never stop the hazard event but you can certainly mitigate it by understanding vulnerabilities and understanding where where resources need to be poured into in order to to 